Welcome to the Live Like It's True podcast. Here on the show, my guests and I talk through some of the most interesting and astonishing stories of the Bible, and then we ask, how can we live like this story is true? I'm your host, Shannon Pepkin. I am an author, a speaker, and a Bible teacher, and here on the podcast, I'm inviting you to think of these stories in the Bible as containers for truth. Each one gives you a new way to reject the lies, to rehearse the truth, and to invite other people to do the same. So I hope that this episode is going to inspire you to better know the story, share the story, and live like the story is true. Trillia Newbell, welcome to Live Like It's True. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such a joy. So let me just tell our listeners a little bit about you. You are the author of numerous books, Bible studies and children's books, uh, including God's Very Good Idea, The Big Wide Welcome. These are children's books, right? Yes. 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 And uh, Creative God and Colorful Us. So we're going to be talking about another one of your children's books. But I mean, I've, I have some of your Bible studies on my shelf. Um, there's one on Hebrews, right? You've got it. A great cloud of witnesses. Yes. Uh huh. And I know you wrote a book on fear that I read. What was yeah, So thank you. Fear and faith. Fear and faith. Yeah. I mean, I've enjoyed your writing for many years and it's just a, a privilege to have you here on the show. Now, I didn't realize you're an acquisitions director at Moody Publishers. Yes, I am. Um, gosh, it was three or so years ago. I joined the team as an acquisitions editor okay. and Love it. Love getting to look for authors and be on this side of the publishing industry. It's absolute joy. And then about maybe a year, almost two years ago, I became the acquisitions director and started to lead our team of acquirers. So okay, it's been a joy to get to serve in this way. Yeah. Good. Well, I love Moody Publishers and um, so many Moody books on my shelf beside me. <laughs> so thankful for their ministry. And now you live with your husband. Is it Thern? Yes. 20 years. 20 years. Thern, and we have two kids who are teenagers and I love it. Okay. So you've got teenagers uh, and you guys live in Nashville, right? The Nashville area. Nashville yes. area. Wonderful. So we're going to talk about your brand new children's book, uh, which you have a collection now, but this one is called Jesus and the Gift of Friendship. Tell us a little bit about the book. We're going to dive more into storytelling and using stories from the Bible. You know, that's how that kind of fits with Live Like It's True and what we do here. But, um, but first, just set us up and tell us a little bit about this book. I will. But before I do, I love the title of your podcast, Live Like It's True. Oh my goodness. That is my heart (laughs) and -hmm. desire as I think about discipling others. Take God at his word and live your life accordingly is a theme that I have in all of my stuff because it's it's just good. So anyways, I want to commend you on that. Oh, thank you. Yes. Jesus and the Gift of Friendship is a story about a young boy there is a moving that happens and poor guy, he moves to this new location and can't find a friend. And it takes him a long time before a friend actually moves into his neighborhood and he's like, yay, someone new. And, but in between that time, his mom is trying to help him understand that Jesus had friends and that he can pray for friends. So as he's waiting, he's praying and longing for friends and, and keeps praying and the Lord provides, but he provides 
a friend that's different than his old best friend. And so the story really is to help kids know that one, they can pray, they can ask God, mm-hmm. God answers in his own timing and in, in his own way, yeah. but he will answer and we can trust him for the results. And, and so it, there's a lot there and that Jesus is our friend, but, but in story form, I think, um, yeah, it's a sweet little story. Yeah. I love too, in the book, like there's a lapse of time. He doesn't make this new friend the next day. It's like, I think you said a year goes by, which is a little more true to life. One of the things in the story happened to one of my kids. We had moved into a new house and he went somewhere in the neighborhood, somewhere nearby and asked, ding dong, you know, <sighs> saw that there was a boy that about his age that lived there and said, hi, do you want to play with me? And now my son, very precocious lots of vocabulary. I think he was about five years old. And I mean, just a big personality. And I think this kid just took one look at him and was like, uh, no, thank you. And then the kid just said, nope, close the door. <laughs> you know, cause in the other neighborhood, he had had lots of friends to play with, but there is a loneliness that kids experience that we all experience. I mean, yes. I picture maybe parents who have or have not moved reading this book to their kids and being like, yeah, me too. Mommy's lonely too. You know, grandma's lonely too, right? Yes. Well, one of the things that I wanted to do and is for it to be realistic. So I didn't want him to move into a neighborhood and then the next day he gets this great friend. That's just not how it works. It takes sometimes, 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 but it usually takes time and other kids are kind of shy about it. They're not sure too. And then you will receive rejection at times. And so he does, he, Zeke, um, the character in my story gets rejected. A guy does not want to be his friend (laughs) and, and it's hard, but it's reality. And so I I really like to tell true stories if I'm going to tell a story Mm -hmm. and help people wrestle with, okay, well, how do we teach our kids? This could very well happen. And I want kids to learn how to wrestle with those, those sad feelings and also to pray, to take it to the Lord who loves to carry all of our burdens. Yeah. So I think this is what I'm kind of wrestling with in this uh, podcast even is we're talking a lot about stories, narratives in the Bible. And in our particular culture or generation, it feels like stories are more for children. So this feels appropriate to talk about these things in a children's book with a kid sitting on your lap, right? And so what about the rest of the stories in the Bible? Like, why didn't God just report the facts to us, listed out the truths that we need to know to navigate life. Why go to the trouble of storytelling? Like there's a lot of craft of storytelling in our Bibles. What is there for adults? You know, you've written a children's book, but backing up and thinking about the narratives of the Bible, how are we supposed to access those as adults? Okay. I'm going to share a straight opinion, Yeah, but I do believe that part of it is it helps us to relate. Most of the stories in the scripture you see the humanity, right? Yeah. The human struggle, human fight for faith, human uh, crying, um, doubting, all of these things that are very human. Mm-hmm. And so you can look at them and say, okay, I, I relate to that. I can understand that. I can also apply, maybe not all of it because, mm-hmm. right, some of it, it was written in a certain context, culture, sure. culture mm-hmm. but I can apply, okay, who is God in this story? How do we see God working in the lives of these? How can we respond? These are things that 
we as adults can apply because the scripture is God breathed and useful, right? right yeah. All of it is relevant for right now. <laughs> yes. So, yes. So we can look at that. And I also think it's to build our faith. You started this podcast talking about my study, Hebrews 11, mm-hmm. where it's, it's really about the Hall of Fame of Faith. And we're looking at all of these stories in scripture and trying to figure out, okay, how can we emulate their faith? Right. Ultimately, we want to grow in more and more like Christ, but right. he put those stories in there so that we might know how did they fight for faith? Right. You know, how did they endure yeah. until the end? Mm-hmm. And so we look back so that we can learn how to fight for faith and how to endure to the end. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, he, I mean, he told parables, he told stories. You, then, of course, you have the whole Old Testament, which not all of it, but a lot of it is story driven yeah. so that mm-hmm. we can understand Israel and what's going on. Right. right and right. and of course, the Gospels, I mean, it's all about the life of Jesus. It's right. so, so much story. And so there is, I think, lots that we can learn. And I think it's just the way that we can understand and and grow. I mean, he really could have just given us all instruction. Right. Or abstraction. I mean, you know, God is invisible. He is relating to us when you were talking at saying how there's so much common content in the Bible. And I had just been thinking about that this morning. Like we have stories about storms and about people who are hungry and about lost things, you know, like these were written centuries ago, these stories, those are all things in my life right now. I mean, just this morning we have a thunderstorm and my little trembling dog is in my lap because Yeah, the thunder. And so like, these are common things. And yet I love how you brought us to like, faith is built by looking at what these other people have experienced and how they have encountered God. So the stories of their lives encapsulate these rich theological truths that we can emulate. You know, we can look in on their stories and say, "Uh uh-huh, me too. I love particularly the way that stories bundle up truths with an economy of words. I think about how entire books have been written on one little two paragraph story in our Bibles, you know, like the Good Samaritan or um, the prodigal son or whatever. It's like a two paragraph story. It would take volumes. I mean, think about thousands of sermons are preached on each one of these stories and each of the sermons is different. It's like a gem with all these different facets. There's so much rich truth there. The more I return to these stories, the more that I rehearse them, the more I see, the more I find. Man, I just am so taken with the way stories bundle up truth and and show us things that we might not have seen. So in this particular book that you've written, how are you using stories from the Bible to respond to this felt need of of Zeke with, you know, he's feeling lonely, he doesn't have a friend. So how are you using stories to respond to that? God's promises are like a set of parentheses. The first one is when he makes the promise. The second one is when he keeps it. And you never have one without the other. But often there's this long stretch between the two, much longer than we first imagined, right? That's what we see in Sarah's story found in Genesis 12 through 21. God promised a son, but in this wide stretch between the parentheses, she wondered, would God keep his promises? Could he? I'm Shannon Popkin, inviting you to come find the answer to those questions, both for Sarah and yourself, in my brand new six-week Bible study titled, Shaped by God's Promises, Lessons from Sarah on Fear and Faith. Find out how you too can be shaped by God's promises in the waiting.
Yes, I'm I'm currently hunting for the page and I probably won't find it in time, but but I tell him about Jesus and his friends. And so how Jesus made friends in many places and how he called different people, his disciples mostly is where I'm focusing. So um, talk about Peter and Andrew and James and Don and Matthew. And I want to point out that Jesus called all of these different people, his friend and parents. I don't give scripture. It's, it's because most children's books are 900 words, right? So you have a small number and small space to tell big truth. And so for me, I wanted, hopefully the parent can look at those and then go back to the scriptures and teach the kids. Yeah. This is what she's talking about. This is when Jesus called this disciple and this is some parts of their story. Peter, there's a lot to share. And so that's it. I, I really just wanted them to look at his relationship with his disciples, but most of it is, I'm not going into deep details about sure, yeah. their stories, but I don't have time to. But there is a lot there. I mean, even on one page, like we learn so much by understanding that Jesus did call them his friends, right? Yes. And that they were, you know, actual people like he didn't, Jesus didn't just stand in front of crowds and preach to them. He had friends who walked with them. He said, follow me. And they came with him. You know, they were buddies. <laughs> I love that. I do too. And there are parts in there that I explain and kind of help the kid understand that they were normal people too. Like, hey, these two brothers, they were fishing. They were likely on a journey Uh and Jesus met them. You know, I just think it's remarkable that we can be a friend of Jesus, this the holy guy, right? right? That we can know him in such an intimate way. And so helping kids understand that Jesus pursued these ordinary people um, I think is really important too. And so I'm, I am glad that there was space for it and that it didn't get the chopping block because <laughs> you're, you're editing. <laughs> you are an editor. You do know you're <laughs> usually the one who. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's, it's encouraging, but it's the point. The point is, is that Jesus had friends. And mm-hmm. if we don't show that, then it's right. really hard for kids. They aren't going to understand an abstract sure. concept yeah. but when you yeah. see it completely laid out. Yeah. Cause in the story, the mom is saying, well, you know, you don't have a friend to play with, but Jesus is your friend. And yeah. that is, you know, that is hard for us to grasp. It's hard for me to grasp that Jesus yes. is my friend. What? But when I think about him walking on the shore of Galilee, coming across these two brothers who are fishing and saying, Hey, you know, follow me. And they drop their nets. Like it tells us something about what they thought of Jesus is what I should think of Jesus. Like he's worth leaving everything. I mean, I would give anything to just walk with him for a day and and go where he's going and talk with him and be his friend. And I also love that you pointed out there were different kinds of people that Jesus encountered. And in the illustrations, which are beautiful, by the way, your illustrator did a fabulous job, but you see diversity in their faces. You know, you see. It's all different kinds of people. And so that makes, you know, a little child I can imagine is questioning, well, would I be the kind of friend that Jesus, yeah, all different sizes and shapes and colors of people. Yes. Was that intentional? Oh, yes. A hundred percent. Yes. That was very intentional because it's also a, a core part of what I want to communicate to the world, mm-hmm. you know, as well as kids. But yes, it was very intentional that kids all can see themselves in the body of Christ or a part of uh, God's love. And so I, I think it's really important for diverse people to be seen and, and pictured and talked about. 
um, so that they know that Jesus died on a cross bearing the wrath that we deserve for all people, every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's calling to himself. That's yeah. really important. And yeah. so, yeah, it's a lot of fun to be able to capture that either through words or images mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be able to do. I couldn't maybe say all those things, but when I work with an illustrator, I tell them, you know, that my heart and they are able to capture it and it's yeah. beautiful. It's yeah. always so encouraging. Yeah. And it's amazing. We uh, had a couple of little girls that we sometimes take care of um, from our church over yesterday afternoon. And I was reading them a story and I was just noticing how much they see on the page. I feel like it's my job to point out, oh, they're, he- do you-? and they're like, oh yeah, we got like they just pick all of the visual cues. They're drinking that in with their little eyes, even though they can't read yet. Like they are very aware of what they're seeing Absolutely. on the page. And um, and so this little girl that Zeke eventually befriends, let's say, first of all, it is a girl. It's not a boy this yes, time. Right? That was also intentional. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And she is black and Zeke is white. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so they build this beautiful friendship. I just love it. It was beautiful. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So encouraging. Yeah, very good. So as faithful moms and grandmas and aunties, you know, who love little children in our lives, how can we use the stories from the Bible for in the moment discipleship? You know, whether it's we've got a book on our lap or we're just tucking them in and they're feeling lonely or sad or whatever it is, how can we use the stories of the Bible? Yeah. Well, if someone is lonely or sad, I really do believe the story of Jesus and how he was a man of sorrows. He wept. I, I think that to me is remarkable that yeah. we got a picture of his story and how his friends deserted him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he was beaten and accused, lies and all of these things. We can use Jesus himself as mm-hmm. the example and the story. Yeah. And he relates to everything and he invites us to his throne of grace in our time of need. And so those are the kinds of things that I think, especially when it is sadness and sorrow, I really think pointing them to Jesus that he understands Mm -hmm. is so important because it's all in the story. Again, we have accounts of it. Mm -hmm. And so we can encourage them that they are drawing near to a God who understands. Yes. Yes. So that to me is really important. But of course, um, there are other ways. You see it a lot in Sunday schools, or if you're struggling with fear, you might um, talk to them about Moses or Sarah or Abraham, who's leaving leaving everything behind all, mm-hmm. and then go to a foreign land. These are the kinds of things I think that you can help kids relate to the, their stories of fear or I'm I'm trying to think of a real specific story so that I can help people. Yeah. Maybe I could give an example because I just actually used one yesterday when I had these little kids over. So um, some neighbor kids were over also, and there was a little altercation (laughs) as does happen with kids. And so I had pulled one of the kids aside and um, said, I needed to talk with her. And you know, just said, Hey, can you come here in the office with me? I just want to talk to you a minute. And immediately when she came in the office, she went over in the corner and crouched down and didn't, you know, didn't want to face me. She knew she was wrong. And so, you know, I said, honey, do you know the story of when Adam and Eve ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat? Ah, and they hid. (laughs) I said, what you're doing right now is what they did too. They didn't want God to see their faces. They hid. I don't know if they hid behind a bush or in a corner, but they hid too. And, and I said, but you know what? God didn't come stomping through the 
garden, like angry, like, where are you? No, God wanted to talk to them about their sin. And that's what I want to do too. And just giving her that little snippet of the story, you know, that's all I gave her. We didn't go into detail of like the nature of sin and, you know, justification and all these things. Um, But that was enough to help her leave the corner and come sit by me and talk about her sin, you know? Uh, And so I think there are ways that these stories, they just package up truth in a way that gives some concrete imagery to help us talk about what the child is experiencing. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad that you gave that really specific example because I have used Peter, how he denied Jesus three times. Yet you see the book later, he's preaching to a crowd, right? right? Yeah. Proclaiming Jesus. And so I think um, when it relates to being fearful, fear of man, the fear of man specifically and afraid of what other people think of you and how we can fight that and confess our sin. He's faithful Mm -hmm. and just to forgive us and purify us so we can Mm -hmm. repent and be changed and Mm -hmm. we can be bold for Jesus. So there, there are so many stories like that, that are relatable for kids so that they can understand. And I think that's why things like the Jesus Storybook Bible or mm-hmm. are, are so popular for adults. Yeah. Because I think you can understand truth in such a simple way. Mm-hmm. So you get these stories. Um, I have God's Very Good Idea is my first kid's book. And I was talking to someone recently who said that they used it in a staff training. Love that. And I was like, what? And then he just said, it's so helpful to simplify mm-hmm. these big ideas yes. so that we can just get it. Yeah. And I think that makes sense that we can use it for children and teaching and discipleship. But I also think it's discipling us. It is so true. Yeah. As we are working through stories and what they mean and how they relate to our lives. There's almost a paradox where, you know, I just talked about a a story that has deep implications for justification, you know, the sin sin of Adam and Eve. And yet we can distill it down into something that's helpful for a child. And there are stories that we teach children that are easy for them to grasp. And yet they have such profound truths that even we could spend our lives unpacking and going after these stories and not get to the full depths of them. We will spend our lives doing that. We will. <laughs> yes, we will. And so, yeah. yeah, one of my goals for this podcast is that at the end of the day, we would lay our heads on our pillows and be rehearsing one of these true stories, like package it up in our hearts. I think stories make truth more accessible, retrievable, right? Like for doing in the moment discipleship to have a logged list of stories ready to go when it calls for it, as we're discipling our kids, um, you know, rehearsing whatever is called for. And so I love that your particular book is a great resource to pull the book off the shelf. But even I'm picturing a grandma driving in the car or like, remember that story that we read about Zeke and remember how the mom said Zeke had a friend. Jesus was his friend. I mean, um, you know, or taking a walk with your kids or walking in the grocery store, loneliness and being rejected and not having a friend. Those are such common things. And packaging up these true stories from the Bible can help us disciple our kids you know, you could have written this book without mentioning the story of Jesus calling Peter and Andrew and, you know, the others. I love though that you included it. It's great to have a kid's story that doesn't have a Bible story within it, but I think it just makes it that much richer. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I really think it's similar to what we mentioned before. It helps kids to relate that Jesus also had friends and that you can be his friend too. Mm -hmm. So that 
they can see themselves in the story in yeah. some regard yeah. and that they understand the humanity of Jesus. I think that's important. And um, so those are those kinds of things that I think, I yeah, I wanted to make sure to include. If I just said, pray to Jesus, which would be sufficient, Sure, pray to Jesus, ask him for friends and never show how you could go to him as a person. Like yeah. he had friends and people went to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's harder than if you yeah. see it. And God includes this in his words. So. <laughs> So why wouldn't we? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember when my daughter was little, she was trying to make sense of God. And one time we gave her some uh, money for the offering, you know, at church and she just lifted her hand up and said, well, I'll give it to him now. (laughs) Cause we taught her God is there, but she's just trying to make sense of it all. Right. And as are we, right. And yet I feel like these stories do give kind of concrete, helpful ways to encounter God and to respond to him. Um, so are there any particular Bible stories that you find yourself referring back to often when your kids were little, or even now as you're discipling your teens? I can just tell you one of my favorite stories that I just love. And I think it's interesting because it's so odd. I'm just oh, warning your okay. listeners. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, when I was writing and studying Hebrews 11, I realized that often you just kind of read the stories of all the mm-hmm. people, but you don't dive deep. You just kind of read, okay, they had faith and okay, they had faith. But I went back right in the Old Testament to study and Enoch mm. in Genesis 5, I believe. And basically his story is so simple and so short. (laughs) It's something like Enoch walked with God. He obeyed God and God took him. I mean, it's it's like two lines. And then Hebrews 11, it's something like, I don't have the text in front of me. Enoch walked with God and pleased God and he did not die. There's more to that, but it's so short. And yet he was seen and placed in this hall of fame of faith. And the why I'm most inspired by him is that it's so obscure. Yeah. So obscure. Yeah. You're like, who is this? (laughs) One, One sentence. And I just think at the end of Hebrews 11, the writer um, writes that there's too many to cover. (laughs) Like (laughs) just runs runs out of space. Like here's some characteristics. Mm -hmm. And I just think God really just calls us to be faithful to walk with him, to obey him. Mm-hmm. And he will also say, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. And we can just trust him and have faith that this obscure person is put in as an example yeah. for our faith to emulate his faith. It testifies to me that God isn't looking for only the big stories. Like right. I could have said Abraham, I could have said Moses. Sure. Uh-huh. We all know those stories, David, we know uh-huh. those stories, yeah. but he thought, you know, I'm going to also add Enoch. He was faithful. He walked yeah. with God. He worked closely with his God. And that's all we know. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. And I, I think, wow, thank you, Lord. Yeah. That that story, yeah. though it's short, is included. Mm-hmm. So for my kids, like you may never be known or they're not trying to be, but, sure. <laughs> but right. be faithful, walk with God, know the God that you proclaim, yeah. read the Bible, abide in Jesus, learn from him. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And know that the God who sees, sees you. And that's yeah. it. That's all that's important. And so yeah. that's me, I think is one of the sweeter stories in the scriptures. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. It's not extravagant. You know, Noah built his boat, um, 
you know, Gideon went to war, what, what all of these big things that they did. And actually, I remember I just wrote a Bible study on the life of Sarah. And so one of my key verses was Hebrews 11, 11, which talks about Sarah. And I was trying to explain that faith is often we, in our culture, we think of that as something we do with our heads, but faith was something that they did with their hands and their feet. And so, you know, looking through Hebrews 11, you, you look at what they did, you know, by faith, they did this, by faith, they did that. And I remember coming to Enoch and just thinking, well, I think I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> right. Cause what did he do? But like, I love the fact that you didn't skip it, right. You oh, lingered yeah. there. And that is a story as well. We might be an Enoch. We didn't build some boat or we didn't do some. Most of us will be an Enoch. We all, yeah. Most of us yeah. will. Most of us fall right in line with yeah. the, and that's, I think his relationship with the Lord is what's highlight. So most of us should yeah. want to be an Enoch. <laughs> like, yes had such a abiding relationship with his Lord. Yeah. Um, and so I want to emulate his faith. And and yet most of us will be mostly unknown. Yes, just faithfully serving. I love that. I love that you highlighted a, a story that gives a minimal <laughs> amount of details. And, and that's often for most of us. Um, so how does your new book, Trillia, train children and adults to live like the Bible is true? Yes. Really, if you read John 15, you will see a few things. But one of the things, and this is where I get the idea that Jesus is our friends, is because Jesus mm -hmm. told his disciples, if you obey what I command, then you are my friend. Mm -hmm. And so what I am ultimately trying to teach children is to believe that God exists so you can pray. Mm -hmm. To live like it's true is to pray. Is to pray. Live like God is true. Like there is a God, right? That's there prayer. is a God. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. And I think often we don't pray because we doubt that He's He's real. Like mm -hmm. we we struggle with unbelief, mm -hmm. and so our unbelief keeps us from praying. Mm -hmm. So if if you if it's true, then you're going to pray. Yeah. If it's if it's true, you're going to obey. Yeah. You're going to obey the Lord. Yeah. And so those are two of a few lessons. Sure. I think if you believe that the scriptures are true, you're going to run to Jesus and ask him for help. And if you believe that scriptures are true, you're going to follow him. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah. I mean, I only had a few hours with those kids yesterday and it just happened to be the day before we're talking about children and children's books, but I was just amazed at how many opportunities I had to talk about the truth, the true story, the true God, and continually reminding them. I mean, I probably brought up, well, we read at least four books <laughs> and then we talked at, at least, you know, we talked about their story from church in the morning. And we talked about, like I said, in the Garden of Eden, like we as moms and grandmas and aunties and friends, babysitters, we have so many opportunities to share the truth and invite these little ones to live like it's true. And then I, you just mentioned this earlier, but I just want to encapsulate on it. As we are giving truths to other people, they just sink so much more deeply into our own hearts. You know, it's like rehearsing the truth. So thank you so much, Trillia, for just talking through these things with us, modeling it so well in your new book, and just being a faithful woman of God. We so appreciate you. Thank you. Can I just remind you that each of these stories from the Bible is absolutely true. Rather than giving us a list of facts to memorize about himself, God gave us a book filled with stories, and each one helps us to know him and to understand this overarching story that we are all in. 
So I hope that you'll take some time looking at this story in your Bible. To help you study, I've put together my free Live Like It's True workbook, which includes my False Narratives watch list, my Story Elements bookmark, and more. Live Like It's True is part of the Resound Podcast Network. For more gospel-centered resources, visit resoundmedia.cc. We've got that link for you, along with links to any of the other resources that we've mentioned in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining me, and now it's time to go live like it's true.